first of all, if you offer nails, there's a queue out the door. So that's my way of getting people engaged. But also if you're to like tell stories rather than just give stats and tell your story and look in their eyes mm. while you're holding their hand while mm. you're doing their nails, there's like nothing more human and like nothing more powerful than that. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find out. How to do life But it turns out Nobody knows We are back we're back we're back I'm sorry about I, I mean for what is it a month or two months it's been all over the place with uh, release dates and all of that it's been chaotic I've been touring I've been all over the place mentally and physically and <laughs> and everything but uh, I am I'm so close to being back we're so close to being back on track it's uh it's tricky it's we lost a recording space and people are bit the people I want to chat to are busy and it's hard to f- fit it all in and I'm not going to complain about it because I'm super lucky that I get to do this but I do just want to reassure you that we will get back on track and then we will come out every Wednesday and everything will be fine again (laughs) and uh, you can you will be able to rely on us again uh, in the very near future Uh, for now I just want you to listen to this episode with Charlie Craig I met Charlie at the oh god oh I should remember this a museum a big one. <laughs> London Museum of Art? <laughs> I don't remember what which one, I don't remember what it was, but they did like a late night chat thing. And um me and myself and Charlie and who else was on? Stephanie Yeboa was on as well. And we all did these twenty minute chats about I don't even really remember what the topic was. But anyways, I met Charlie there and um, and uh, loved her, just loved her. She's amazing. And I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. Um, do remember to uh, check out the trigger warnings in the episode description. There's some, um, well, you should always do that, by the way, because I'm pretty sure I've never had a single episode that didn't have any 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 potential triggers in them uh charlie opened up about some things that i um i'm just very grateful that she opened up about and um i really 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 appreciated her being a guest and i'm sure you'll do the same so i'll let you listen to the episode in just a bit just quickly want to remind you that i'm going to edinburgh with my brand new show uh the bum swing so please do come and uh, get your tickets and uh, come and see me in Edinburgh. I, uh, you know what, in general, you know, sign up for my newsletter. There's going to be loads and loads of big announcements coming up. And I want you to, uh, to, to be notified of all of it. So sign up for my newsletter. And now just enjoy this episode with the incredible Charlie Craggs. <laughs> might not know who you are do you want to introduce yourself yeah sure hi so my name is charlie craggs and i am a trans activist and author um i'm probably best known for my campaign now transphobia where i travel around the uk with a pop-up nail salon and offer the public free nails for the chance to sit down and have a chat with a trans person so while i'm doing people's nails they can ask me questions about trans stuff they can kind of ask anything or we can just have a chat but the point is that you're getting to just meet a trans person because most people haven't met a trans person but we're having misconceptions so it's a way of breaking those misconceptions and building allies okay so that's loads already right so but just because this is going to be like a a podcast where questions will be asked how what's your relationship then with questions so you must have been asked questions that I mean, are you okay with are you okay with any question? No. Or, well, yeah and no. Yeah? So I encourage in my salon people to ask whatever they want, but I will tell them if it's the wrong question. I'm not going to answer ah. every question, but I'll answer in terms of like saying, and I'll do it in a nice way. I won't tell them off. I'll just be like, oh, baby, we don't ask that. And then they'll ask why, and I'll explain why. And then hopefully they've learned now not 
that that's not what you ask a trans person but it's important that they learn that like that so in asking it they learn it whereas if you just um if they didn't ask or if i told them off even i just think and i have every right to to be angry when someone the first thing sometimes people ask me before they've even asked me my name or how i'm doing is oh have you got a penis and i'm like are you serious like and i have every right to snap but you can get so much more out of people if you if you approach people with kindness so i try if in the street it's a different story <laughs> so in the street if someone comes up to me and asks that i would tell them where to go um but yeah in the salon i've got my activist hat on and i will bring people in rather than shutting people out and i will say oh baby we don't ask that and then like in a nice way they've learned like oh you just don't ask that and they'll go away and hopefully like i said they won't ask another trans person that so they've learned something that's really great i mean do you do you need to do any kind of prep before you go into that situation any kind of building up like a guard Mm. or like a Because I can imagine some of the, those questions are very, what's the word? Um, emotionally, intrusive? Yeah, yeah, quite emotionally lab- laborious. Yeah. Like, like um, do you know what? And I think it's quite sad when I say this, but it's it's just the truth. And it's and it's okay. And it's a blessing and a curse because now I do this job. And I couldn't do it if it wasn't for this. But I think I've been so used to having to explain myself to people and answer stupid questions mm. my whole life that I it's just not much my reality and I've never known difference so for me it's not tiring for someone else who's maybe um come into an identity and they've only just been getting asked these stupid questions in the last couple of years maybe mm. it's tiring because they're not used to it but literally ever since I was about seven I was getting called a girl and a faggot and stuff so I've always because I can't remember much past seven so as in like before seven mm. so like really my whole life as far as I can remember I've been constantly having to um answer those stupid questions like oh are you gay are you a gay like like and, mm. uh, and also like answering it but also um learning how to win people over like for my own safety essentially like because where i lived i lived in i'm from a quite a rough area and stuff and i would have to um yeah like make allies by winning allies almost and it's mm. the same thing like and i'd win them with my charm which is what i do now essentially that sounds quite machiavellian but like it's just mm. a, a it's just it is it's a self-preservation really and it's like for the greater good and stuff and it's not um it's not got it's got good intentions and stuff but i'm trying to just show people how nice i am in hopes that i'll win over like changing hearts and minds essentially that's what i do that's the nicest way of saying it is changing hearts and minds a nail at a time (laughs) so so are you a nice person do you have to be nice no i'm a nice person do you have room to if you ever like do you think I imagine no one's nice 100% of the time but on the oh, days yeah, where I'm you're nice like 100%. I'm but gonna be a bit I, of a cunt do you feel you have space I'm, to do that well I'm ne- I would well because I'm my own boss I can snap like so I've I have chucked people out of my salon before where they're like just like not there for the right reasons like they're oh. doing it to, for a joke like they'd be like straight boys who would come and be like oh look get my nails on oh he's gay and I'm like you literally have totally misunderstood the point of this that's like exactly what we're challenging in this salon so like and I and I can I'm like I said I'm my own boss so I can call people whatever I want and chuck them out but um I'm a nice person. I know mm. I'm a nice person. I'm probably a bit too nice. Um, I, But I've learned to not be nice, if anything, because of my experiences. Like, I was a very shy, um, introverted child. Like, very, very shy. And I'm, like, the opposite of that now. Like, if you look at my Instagram or something, you would be like, I can't believe this person is... But that same child is still in me. Like, I'm still that person. I've just had to not be that person because you won't survive as a trans person especially as a trans woman uh being timid and shy like you have you have to be ready for a fight all the time and have to be able to stand your ground and read the filth out of someone like like you need to be able to yeah just be sure of yourself because no one else is sure of you so you need to be able to ha- handle yourself so i've learned it was kind of a fake it till i make it situation so i would start being sassy and stuff because i had to like obviously defend myself in school and where I live and then it just became me like so at first it wasn't natural and now it is literally my default but that nice person is still at the core and I'm never mean I'm only mean to people who are mean to me so yeah I'm, I don't think I'm a mean person you don't seem you don't at all seem mean I don't think I'm mean no, I'm not at no. all I'm a Pisces I can't be mean like <laughs> Pisces I'm never mean we're like crybabies so what, what was it that happened when you were seven why was seven the cutoff point I just can't remember. Maybe I blacked things out. I don't know. Like, I So don't... there wasn't like an event when you were seven where you 
I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. No. I just can't. I've got quite a bad memory. Maybe I think so, I have, like I said, blacked out quite a lot of my life because I was going had quite a, sh- a shit life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I I can't remember most of my te- teen years really. Anything from school, I can't remember. I can remember primary school because that was a good time. But like when I went to secondary school, I just like blacked everything out. Like not even on purpose. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. even try to black it out. And it's quite annoying now because like there's things that happened in that period that were nice, mm-hmm. like outside of school and stuff. But because I I you can't control what you black out so like I've blacked out everything so mm. I li- literally couldn't really tell you much that happened it's just very interesting how the brain works I yeah guess, well like. I don't remember anything for the first 10 years of my life really yeah wow. my therapist told me to write down a list of all my memories and it was oh my god three pages and then I just had nothing left fuck it was oh all I had god. and I, I'm, in, I'm also like this is amazing in a way it's amazing because what that yeah. means is you've just been self-protecting it, like I said it's self-preservation yeah. yeah like you're literally that's insane how clever the brain is to mm. be able to put that wall up and protect yourself yeah, yeah. it's amazing. quite it's I'm really into the way the brain can just go so my, my therapist talked to me about P, primary PTSD and what they think they're sure of now is you know when when people have a, a traumatic like a one so there's a difference between like complex PTSD, which is like a lot of trauma happening over a long period of time. Yeah. And then primary PTSD, which is a thing. So it'll be like a police officer seeing something horrendous. And then they'll be able to just like deal with the situation professionally because the brain just goes, we're going into self-protection mode. You can yeah. do whatever you want. Nothing's touching you. But then like six months later or two years later, yeah. suddenly it'll like pop something in their brains and they'll yeah. just start crying or they'll have a reaction to I it. I have that. I literally have that right now, yeah. Oh, I just really? got diagnosed, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, well, so weird. But the, so what my therapist said was that our brains, they wait until you're ready. Yeah. They wait till you can handle it. And that's so incredible that, is, that it yeah. knows. It's so true. So like when the bad thing happened about two years ago, I um, had New York booked like for work. Nail transphobia was going to New York for the first time and I was so excited and everything was booked. So when the bad thing happened, I really should have, it was like one of the worst things that could happen in the world and I should have been like crying and staying in bed for like a month but I had to go to New York like a few days later and I knew I couldn't cr- cry because if I started crying, I wouldn't be able to stop crying. So I had to like, so I just didn't, I couldn't cry. Even when I tried to cry, like I just couldn't cry. Mm. And it's like you said, like the brain was like, mm. you can't do this now. Like, cause you, I, you won't be able to get on that flight. And yeah, it's like, like, and then it hit me like, like you said, actually the exact things you said, like six months and now it's two years. And like, it's just been, it's been a culmination. Like it's crazy how the brain works. Yeah, it's, but it's so... I think trusting that it knows what it's doing. Yeah. Like it's got you covered, you know, because, you, you know, I've, I often feel quite guilty about not remembering the first 10 years of my life, but actually it's a beautiful thing that my brain can do that. But yeah. it knows that, you no, know, like if you remember this now, you wouldn't be okay. Yeah, that's so true. Do you, do you have a therapist? Do you, have you, did you manage to work through it and process it? Mm, I'm starting. Like, I've just started therapy a few weeks ago, and so that's when I got diagnosed. And I mm. kind of knew it. I kind of had an idea. Like, I w- I'm not stupid. Yeah. So, But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I feel like it's just it's something that will heal with time rather than with counselling, if I'm honest. Mm, maybe. Um, it's more circumstantial, my thing, than it is, like, chemical or, like... Um, to do with like myself like that is something yeah i guess it's just quite a circumstantial bad luck type thing mm, mm. yeah so time will heal hopefully mm. yeah it sounds like it's been a lot of tough tough things happening yeah. in your life yeah which you obviously don't at all have to talk about at all yeah i will actually i, I don't like talking about it but i'll talk about it just because i like i because the anniversary is coming up and I want people to like stay angry because it's getting forgotten about but basically so what happened was my best friend was killed in Grenfell you know the big fire yeah so like my best 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 friend like my sister like we've been best friends since we were three and it just is literally I'm not the same person like people didn't just die in that fire like people who weren't in that fire have died like my I'm I I probably shouldn't say this because I don't know how I'm gonna <laughs> I don't know what to how where to go from here when I say this, but like I'm dead inside if I'm honest. Like I'm so dead. I'm I'm done on the inside. I'm just like I don't want to be here anymore. Like I, not even that I'm suicidal. But I'm just I've given up. Like and not even given up. But I'm just like don't I don't care. I don't give a shit. I'm like I've zoned out. Sorry. Um, 
yeah so it's just yeah I, the reason I, I talk about it sometimes is because I want people to stay angry because it kind of gets mm. forgotten about and they've mm. literally gotten away with murder like literally you got forgotten away with murder. so quickly you know yeah. in the media and the yeah. general consensus that's, you know obviously the people we know are still trying to yeah. talk but still it just felt like they very quickly glossed over that yeah because they don't want to have to own up to it like no one mm. who, who's gonna take the blame like sort of thing like no one like and it's a, a f- lots of factors of who should be taking the blame like the conservative like government and mm. like the even the conservative um, MPs in the area because li- we live in a conservative borough and that we, that was a neglected area my area and like there was the, the, the they knew it was something bad was going to happen every all the people in the block were saying like this isn't safe da 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 mm. so it's like them or is it like I don't know the people who put the cladding on like mm. or the if I like who who, mm. who is to blame or was it all set up who knows like I don't know but yeah. either way it's I just want people to stay angry so yeah. I don't like talking about it much but every now and then I will talk about it just to remind people like because mm. yeah I, just, I think it shocks people when they meet someone who is so directly affected by it mm. they're like oh I've like you just want there's not many of us so like people are always shocked when I tell them so I just mm. I do like to do it sometimes just to remind people please stay angry because yeah. I don't really have the emotional strength to be staying angry about it like yeah. on top of all the other stuff I'm angry about in my life I've it's a fight that I can't be fighting but like so that's why I just ask people remember like sign petitions go on marches if there's marches just keep it alive in the media because they're literally like I said getting away with murder yeah what's your re- what's your relationship with anger in general what was it like before um, compared to after is it an emotion you've I don't know to be honest I, I think I've had a weird experience, like weird relationship with anger so I was very angry growing up because of I was so angry that I was different I really didn't want to be different I think people not need to understand that as well because um, being trans or even gay gets looked at like it's a choice you would no one would choose this life especially trans over gay like some people would choose to be gay but I don't think anyone would choose to be trans like it's such a hard walk of life and it's just you're literally signing up for a life of being a second class citizen a life of literally risking losing your family risking losing the chance of finding love because it's so hard to find love as a trans person finding a job even like it's not cheap like funding your whole transition is so hard um like even just like just like the fact that going out every day is a fight like having people be rude to you all day every day like staring at you laughing at you commenting on you attacking you literally like like it's every single day um so i want people to know that but um yeah like so i was very angry for being this way and i really wanted to be like my brothers like my brothers were two like normal straight boys and i was really jealous i was like why can't i be like that and i was really badly bullied for not being like that so i really internalized that hatred that's like the homophobia transphobia femphobia whatever you want to call it i internalized it and i was really angry for a long time at the whole world and really bitter uh because of what i went through and then i don't know like i kind of i don't know what happened but i think it was when i transitioned maybe like i kind of came out of it like because i'd fixed the problem so like when i transitioned i accept I, like, i'd always known i was trans inside and i finally accepted i was trans it's the difference between knowing and accepting and when i accepted myself everything in the world kind of fell into place it got harder don't get me wrong like my life got a lot harder but it fell it at least i understood everything now and i accepted my accepting yourself is so powerful and i kind of then even though my life was the hardest it ever been i was probably the happiest i've ever i'd ever been because i was finally like being authentic and not um punishing myself for something that i couldn't help and just allowing myself to be me and be authentic it was um quite freeing and then i didn't have this anger at the world because i'd kind of processed the anger i guess how old were you when you transitioned i was about 21 when i started like like when i properly went to the doctor and stuff but i'd known way before that i've been expressing like gender variants like i didn't obviously have the word trans in my vocabulary but i was telling my mom i wish i was a girl when i was like four so like i knew like you know um and then i was about like teen years when i really knew and like was like i know i'm trans because i saw a trans person in the media and i was like that's what i am like i knew straight away and then i was about 18 when i started like telling friends and stuff and then i was 21 when i because like i said i just didn't want to be trans like i was i don't want to sign up for this shit life like my life is hard enough like i was very effeminate pre-transition like i said and i was having so much abuse for that that i was like my life's only gonna get harder um so I was like, I don't really want to be trans. So I, I put it off for as long as I could, but I just got so, so, so suicidal that I, I really couldn't keep fighting it. 
I was going to die if I didn't transition. Uh, John, do you know John Raskopoulos? No, who's that? She's an um, Australian comedian in this comedy band, and um, and she came out. Oh, when three, four years ago, maybe. Okay. And she did. She was one of the first guests I had in the podcast, and oh, she wow. talked about transitioning. And she said that um, for the first time she could smell flowers, and I was like. Oh, that's amazing. It's just like suddenly like seeing the world yeah. as it's meant to be seen, like living yeah. in the body. And I'm, just, I'm butchering her words probably, but because it was so beautiful, I'm just like, oh, I don't know, something like that. And it was so, some, I, and I think it's so often overlooked. And I imagine like, yeah. so I imagine also that a lot of the questions you're being asked in the nail salon will be more primal or more like, yeah, you know, basic. Where Much I feel more like basic. Yeah. Very rarely we hear someone talk about the emotional. Yeah, you know. I think we're moving towards that space. Thank God. So when I started the campaign five years ago, the questions were so basic level. Like they were like literally like, "What is a trans person?" Because oh. this cultural conversation just hadn't happened yet. So I started the campaign in about 2013, which was prior to the trans tipping point that happened in the media, where everything started being trans, 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 and like it's almost too much now and like um but at least it's helping people to really understand um the basics but yeah back then it was literally like people wouldn't understand the difference between a trans person and a gay person or a drag queen or whatever mm. so i was having really surface level conversations and now it's moved towards a space of like um people asking me about like about my life like, about my humanity rather than just like mm. the kind of scientific kind of side of transition like and the kind of uh, terminology and stuff people are like and I think that shows like a, a shift in um, the cultural conversation and in kind of public thought about trans people yeah which is good which is positive yeah that sounds like a good thing yeah definitely yeah it's like like what I do is all about humanizing it it's not about normalizing it like normal is a dirty word but and you shouldn't have to be normal to be accepted and not be killed but um, it's about humanizing it and just for, like showing people my humanity in the hopes that they'll yeah they'll see us as human it sounds so like people roll their eyes when they hear that because they're like when we do see you no but like you don't Mm. like anyone that like you feel like their rights are debatable you don't see as you're equal as human you don't you wouldn't be debating our rights Mm. if you saw us as human yeah like basic human rights so what came first your your because it's it's an amazing idea thank you an amazing project so what came first was it did you get the idea of doing it and then realize it was because it was about the humanity or did you want to do something ah good question i've never had that question yeah (laughs) so actually it started off as a social media campaign like a hashtag campaign where i was just like um doing people's nails in the hope like uh, and then asking them to share a nail fee like a nail selfie Mm. (laughs) Um, a nail fee that's my word copyright (laughs) (laughs) and a nail fee with um their middle finger up like saying hashtag nail transphobia like saying that they got their nails done with me is sort of thing and that they're a trans Mm. ally just basically showing your support for the trans community and like uh, taken over social media with these images and then I realized in doing what I was doing that the power in the interaction like was in the interaction rather than in the nails like the power was in the conversation I was having while I was doing their nails and that is how you make allies allies aren't made by posting selfies like that's a, they kind of are like they're not not an ally but it's a very surface level ally like a first tier kind of like first step into allyship is about being like a vocal advocate but then you can affect so much more change in someone and in society by like talking and by like having that conversation while I'm doing their nails so at the start it was very much about just making the nails look good so that they look good for the nail fee and now I don't even really I do paint nails well I'm a trained manicurist but um it's much more about the conversation I'm having while I'm doing the nails I'm much more invested in that than I am about and I don't even care if they I don't even ask people to post on social media anymore so like it's much more about what we're talking about to me the nails it's much more about conversation my campaign the nails are just a catalyst for that conversation and a way of engaging people in the conversation around trans rights who wouldn't normally be engaged it's also such a i'm trying to think what how to phrase this i think it's so you'll you'll meet like comparative to the how many people are in the world you'll meet a small amount of people but the difference like actually sitting down one on one having a conversation with someone is so much bigger than like what's the equivalent of 
of that amount of work you know how much would it take to change that person's mind yeah in terms of how many tweets would it take how many you know news stories I agree many... I don't think tweets would like... so it's almost like it's a huge thing you're doing yeah. oh thank you on a on such a close level Does that I, I think that's what changes though like because people can read stats all day like I could so I do a lot of festivals and museums and like galleries and universities and I could go around and rather than with my public salon I could go around with a table full of brochures and I hand people brochures about like um how many trans murders there are a year about a hate crime and people would be like oh that's sad but first of all people most people wouldn't even listen they just walk mm. past me the people who do listen would be like oh that's actually really sad da, da, da. but then they'd get on with their life they'd go have lunch and they'd go, they would forget whereas if you're to invite people into it first of all if you offer nails there's a queue out the door so that's my way of getting people engaged but um, also if you're to like tell stories rather than just give stats and tell your story and look in their eyes mm. while you're holding their hand while mm. you're doing their nails there's like nothing more human and like nothing more powerful than that than, than, than a story that will really resonate with them and like stir emotions up in them that will hopefully uh, that emotional connection will help them to take the next step from advocacy to allyship and like stepping up and being emotionally invested in the issue enough to like call things out or to stand up for our rights or whatever yeah I've literally these days I've been thinking so much about um kind of where the left seems to be lacking yeah. because I feel I mean, we, I don't even think we necessarily would be lacking. It's just that the right is getting so strong. Yeah. And yeah. they're really organizing themselves. And it's really fucking terrifying. But I think that one of the main problems that we keep having is that we, we're so, we so love our statistics. Yeah. We so love, because the left and social justice and all of this is based on facts. Yeah. You know, the facts of uh, oppression kills and uh, what shame does to you and, you know, how... Uh, we're all equal, yeah. actually equal. And we, we kind of feel like we're so right because it's all facts. Uh -huh. But they're just saying lies and oh, telling yeah, yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah. Fake news. And, then, yeah, and we kind of go, well, actually, there weren't that many people at the inauguration. And then we kind of feel like we've won because we've said a fact, but they don't give a shit. They don't, yeah, they don't It's care. about the story yeah. and about the emotions. And, I, and it was when you were talking about that, the stories and the humanities, like, it feels like such a good way in to be like, well, we we also have that. We also have stories. We also have yeah. humanity and being able to talk to their to people's most core, like yeah. their deepest. Do you yeah. know what I mean? To the heart. Yeah. Is what I'm hoping so, to talk to. Yeah. I agree. So the people who come in, are they already? Would they already call themselves allies? Or oh, do people not. come in who yeah. are like, I'm already against this? No one's like. I've had a few people but like most people are halfway there at least or like mm. they're open to talking to a trans person which I think shows that they're not transphobic transphobic but people will come and will ascend like in terms of like terminology they would be transphobic because they'd be calling me he that's not like um, violent transphobia like they're not like punching me in the face and calling me a tranny but they might use words like tranny while they're talking to me or they might like I said be calling me he while I'm doing their nails just not realising that they're saying the wrong thing but essentially that is kind of transphobic like mm. you're using the wrong pronoun and stuff um, so they're not most people come and they're kind of like they're open but they're also not uh, they're not really understand so people will come and they'll be a bit standoffish and by the end of the session we're like best friends um, and it's a really really like rewarding experience for me I feel so lucky that I get to do this as my job because I like leave every day and I'm on like cloud nine because I know I've sent some allies out into the world but yeah like most people will like just not really quite understand but what and will have lots of questions but by the end of it they really do understand because I think the whole point of what I do is helping people to understand but also understand that there's not much to understand because there really isn't much to understand mm. people it's been painted by the media as this massive thing like this new thing this millennial thing and like there's so many eggshells that people are stepping on and it's like mm not really like people will be like I don't know what I can say to a trans person I can't say it's like we're literally human we're not asking for special rights we're asking for human rights speak to us how you speak to anyone else and that means not asking us 
have we got a penis? Because I haven't asked you anything about your genitalia when I don't know you. Or even if I do know you, I don't ask my friends about their genitalia. Like, you just don't ask that. Or you don't ask someone what their real name is. Like, I wouldn't go to a woman and be like, but what's your real name? Like, I know that's your wedding name, like your married name. What's your real name? What name was you called at birth? You just wouldn't say that. You wouldn't ask to see a picture of someone when they were at their most saddest. Like, I, when people ask to see a picture of pre-transition, I'm like, why would you ask to see a picture of me that obviously I'm not proud of? Like, it'd be like asking to see someone's picture when they were I don't know something that they didn't like about themselves when they were suicidal I don't know like a picture when they look really bad and it's like you just wouldn't ask that so like I always remind people just ask yourself would you ask anyone else this and if you wouldn't then don't ask a trans person you know is that the because I was going to ask if you you must have a now a list of you know the 10 basic things that people seem to not understand yet but that yeah. you know you could almost and but then I thought is that what your book is Oh no, so the book is uh, basically a collection of about 100 letters from famous trans women offering advice to girls who are going through transition. That's amazing. Or, like, or actually to anyone. So I read it for that, but most of the reviews online have been from people who aren't even trans saying that they read it to get a better understanding of the trans community because really it's quite not being big-headed. I can be big-headed because yeah. I didn't write the book. I just edited the book and the women in the book who writ the book, essentially, who writ their letters are amazing. So basically um, it's women from all different types of careers so like um we got like politicians and scientists and sports people and celebrities and them from all over the world all different ages all different colors all different creeds just really showing the different walks of trans womanhood and like i hopefully there's a sister for everyone but also there's a story for everyone so like people can really who aren't trans can really get an idea of the diversity of the experience but also while being so different also see the like similarities and all of every single story has the same kind of arc of like overcoming adversity and stuff and I think that's something that anyone can relate to trans or not and also just helps people to see that how rampant transphobia is that we literally every trans person you you will never meet a trans person who's not experienced a lot of transphobia yeah no one has it easy I want to ask you this question that I always ask on the podcast and I feel like it's particularly relevant now that we are uh, about halfway through so the question is what question would you most want for me to ask you? So I'm being very aware uh, that we've talked about trans it, stuff yeah. for a lot. And I imagine that's most of what you're being asked about. Most of, and you might want to talk about it, which is also yeah, fine. Yeah. But maybe you're, when you're doing conversations like this, maybe you're like, oh, why can't we ever talk about my favorite Disney film? Or yeah. maybe you have something that you think should be asked. Or basically, what would you like for me to ask you? I think a really good question, and you've asked me already, is like how I'm doing. Because I think people forget that trans people are people aside from being trans. Trans people, like people like Piers Morgan who want to debate about trans things all day, literally think that we are just there to argue with them. Like that's all we exist for is to talk about Mm. trans stuff and we're just a trans debate encapsulated in a person. We are people with lives with hardships aside from our transition the transition makes everything harder and there's a million more hardships that we'll face that people who aren't trans don't face and, and obviously there's, there's different intersections in that like I won't face mm. racism whatever but my point is is that so we face all the trans stuff but also aside from that we're just people with like going through shit you know and so like it upsets me especially with like Grenfell and stuff it's like I'm in such a dark place I'm my life is shit and I'm having to like debate like about my human right. Like I I don't really babe. My best friend's just been burnt alive. Like can we talk about that? Like like are you, are you forgetting that I'm a person who exists outside of being trans? Like I think I wish people would remember that when they're l- l- trying to debate or trying. Even when people are rooting me in the street. Like I remember I got like abused in the street. Like the day after my friend was the first day I went out after my friend was burnt mm. to death. It's like why 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 is this happening? Why are you so why are people so incompassionate? Like oh, it just makes me so angry that people just think we literally exist just to have debates with them about trans or even not even debates just to educate them even with my campaign like Mm -hmm. and I put myself in that position but we trans people exist outside of being trans and I think people need to remember that like that we're people too do you get it when you go to parties or and you just like want to have fun and then even people in like your periphery what do you call like acquaintances would be like hey I've been meaning to talk to you and then they bring up something that's really traumatic and I'm like I don't want to talk about being attacked or like I don't want to or again, like talking about surgery, and I'm like, why are you? I'm, oh, I, yeah, I had like a boy bring up like Trump and the trans stuff, and I'm like, 
it's 2 a.m. on a Friday, hon. Yeah. I'm trying to have a good time. Like, why yeah. are you bringing me down? Like, why am I... And also, it's quite like... I'm a Pisces, but even if I wasn't a Pisces, it's sensitive. It's not nice to talk about sad things. Like, yeah. and it's like, go fucking Google it. Yeah, a like, lot of it's work. A lot of it's them It going, is work. Pay oh, me. Oh, why do you say all men are trans? Because actually, my, my dad's a really nice guy. And I'm like, fuck, now I have to go into like, well, actually, it's stemmed from... And, yeah. and if you Google it, you could see that what it actually means is a structural... Patriarchy. And you're like, it's... Don't even. I'm don't even. Drunk. Don't don't even don't yeah. even give them the 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 yeah. dignity like whatever the word is just like literally just say it, Google it like yeah, it's Friday night it's two a.m. I'm having a nice time like, yeah do you, yeah like I just don't understand that but, but even like yeah I had it actually literally downstairs there's like a club downstairs I went to and like this gay guy like it's so even I get it from like gay guys if I go to like a gay club and it's just confused me because I'm like especially when it comes from like within the LGBT yeah. community and it's like just the most basic questions and I'm like why are you asking me this like. I'm on a Friday night, like, hun, like, let me have my drink, leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's so annoying. Is, um, so when you think about, does it also, do you think it also forces, I kind of want to say us, but I also want to say you, do you think when, when your fight or your struggle or your um, identity or part of your identity becomes such a big part of what, other people see yeah yeah do you think we you have a tendency to make it a bigger part of you know like if the world didn't think that this was so different or so strange do you think i guess what's the question i guess it's about identity and how much how much of how much space it takes in your identity versus how much you wished it took that's a really good question. Is yeah. it a question or is it just a bunch that's of sentences? A, no, that, that's a really good question, actually. And I haven't got an answer because I've never really mm-hmm. thought about that. But yeah, I guess like you, you wonder like, well, I d- obviously definitely wouldn't be doing my job if it, if trans, like if people didn't have such an obsession with uh, asking questions about trans stuff and just not understanding trans stuff and it having to be a big part of my identity. So there's like pros and cons. Um, yeah, I, don't, I always find that really interesting. It's it's quite it's quite an interesting question in, in terms of like. I also think it kind of relates to the question about like. So in terms of like surgery and thing, and it's not just like lower surgery, but any any surgery that a trans woman wants to have, whether it's facial, breast, downstairs, whatever, or even just like having laser to remove body hair and facial hair, it's like would we do this if like society did not care about like the fact that we're trans like if it was just like fine to be however you want would we would dysphoria exist like would trans women want to have surgery like why like things like that and i've been thinking about that a lot lately because i'm approaching surgery if i want lower surgery and i've been thinking like who am i doing this for like do i am i doing this for myself am i doing this for in hopes that i'll find like because i I want to like get if i want to get married and like find a nice man like will he accept me as i am like the the one i want like don't get me wrong there's loads of men who are too many men who will accept me as i am but i'm like do i want a man like that do i want them a man to like i don't know yeah just think why am i doing it for society like to appease society's like view of like what a woman is and what my body should be like and what's okay because the big part one of the reasons I was like no I definitely want surgery is because I can't imagine seeing or being sorry in my wedding dress at the top of the altar with a penis underneath my wedding dress I was a bit like mm, I don't see that for me like that's disgusting and I'm like why do I think that's disgusting and then also I'm like so I'm only having sur- if I'm ha- if that's one of the main reasons I'm having surgery then like what if I don't get married and I've had surgery and I didn't need to have surgery like because I'm not that dysphoric I'm like I don't really like what I have I also don't just I don't think I'd want that other thing either I'm like I just don't like private parts like I'm like I like the one other people but I'm like I don't, I'm, I'm kind of okay as I am so I'm a bit like mm, I'm really conflicted like yeah. thinking like what if I have this surgery and it's a lot of pain and also you're having a lot of risk of first of all of complications like there's a lot of complications that can happen and like maybe like never being able to orgasm again if it goes wrong or something but um, also like just the strain on the body and stuff and like changing your body in such a way like I'm like all because I don't want to have a penis under a wedding dress like who the fuck cares like and also like what if I don't get married like I said like it's so it's just like such a you do really wonder like are you doing this for yourself or because you've been taught that having a penis under a wedding dress is disgusting like what is disgusting about it yeah you can kind of get caught up in those you know 
gender isn't a thing, gender is a construct. Yeah. But f- femininity isn't a woman thing and masculinity isn't a man thing, but it, at the same time it, it is and it is and it but it's not. It, Do you yeah, know? Yeah. It's so there's so much Because there's what we do. know. Yeah. And then there's what the world thinks. And you kinda of have to place yourself in the middle of that somehow, yeah, find your yeah. space within it and yeah, it's yeah. so confusing I can imagine. Yeah. I'm not rushing anything anyway. I'm just taking my time and Yeah, of course. What well, um yeah. so what's your relationship with femininity, I guess? Cuz if that was something that brought you a lot of uh yeah, abuse, uh, abuse and yeah. pain in your childhood and but you I really weird. seem to be kind of embra- embracing it. I've always embraced yeah. it even when uh-huh. I actually for maybe like for about 5 years I didn't and I really tried to change myself and be masculine like to fit in so just before I transitioned that's why I got really suicidal is because I literally had because I was so angry at myself for being feminine I took away all the parts of me that were feminine Mm. so like I stopped listening to music I like Like, I just wanted Mm. to listen to Britney Spears and Beyonce but I was like forcing myself to listen to like horrible music like that I was like that was less quote marks like Mm. feminine or gay or whatever you want to call it um and like even hanging around with certain people or like doing certain things watching certain things how I talked how I stood and acted how I spoke like yeah I don't know like everything about myself how I looked even like I was like working out like and I was just like what like I basically took away all the parts of me that made me feminine but in turn took away all the parts of me that made me me and like just stripped myself down to like to like I was just a shell of a person because I just had taken all the parts of me out of myself and I I just looked in the mirror and I was like you're like you're not transitioning because you're thinking it's going to be so hard but is this much better like you're literally a shell of a person you're dead inside um so I was yeah it's like I've, I've had a really conflicting like experience with my femininity because prior to that I was always a fem- a very feminine child um, and I was really happy in my femininity and then that changed in my teen years and then obviously in my transition like it's the biggest way of embracing my femininity and again like now so I love I love my femininity it's my my favorite thing about myself I think I think I'm very feminine apart from obviously anyone listening to this can only hear my voice that's like the least feminine part of myself (laughs) but um apart from my voice which I need to work on um I'm a very feminine person and I love every like I'm I love femininity it's literally my favorite thing like I just everything I just everything about me is very feminine like I like and do you know what I was gonna say I get like maybe a not abuse is the wrong word but like you get judged for your femininity as a trans woman as well so now I'm in a different space of being judged for femininity so pre-transition it was like being judged by like other boys for being too feminine and now I get judged by women for being too feminine so women will be like saying that trans women like me are just a caricature of womanhood like we're like just like blow up dolls like trying to be like we're trying to be like sex um sex toys for men sort of thing like that sort of thing they just think that that's what, and it's like no i just like i like dresses like i can't help it i like makeup also just to be real uh i have to wear makeup i don't have a choice like i have a fucking five o'clock shadow if i don't wear makeup i'm gonna get misgendered like just to be real I and mean, like horrible so it annoys me it's a privilege not to wear makeup like, it must be fucking nice to wake up in the morning and put your hair in a, a ponytail and go out the door i can't do that it must be really nice hun. i have to spend an hour caking on makeup i don't want to wear makeup i have to but to be fair even if i didn't have to i probably would just because i do like the ritual of doing makeup it makes me feel more confident i've got like maybe quite bad skin not bad bad skin but i've i had bad skin growing up so i feel comfortable with makeup um but yeah even like so like we are femininity is much more um in my opinion judged than like cisgender women's femininity um it's almost more policed because like so if you there's no winning either because i'll get judged for being too feminine and looking like a, a glamour I'm, i don't even dress that feminine i'm wearing fucking jeans today like do you know what i mean like i'm like i don't actually and i i never wear like sexy clothing in my opinion i always like cover I, I'm, I'm not really into like i don't go clubbing and stuff so i don't wear like tiny crop tops and little skirts and stuff i'm actually quite quite boring but um my point is is that you can't win because they'll either say that you're being like a 
like a blow-up doll, like a sex toy, or you're being um, and just a caricature of womanhood, or you're being... Uh, if you don't dress like that, they'll say, well, you're not trying hard enough. Like, so if you're a trans mm. man who doesn't wear makeup, they're like, why bother transition? You're not a woman. Like, you're not... You don't, you're not trying hard enough. Try harder. You look like a man. Like, so they'll criticize. Like, there's no winning. So, like, yeah. you can't really win. And it's the same for women, period. But, like, I mean, for trans women, like... And it's even, like to the level that it's coming from um, medical professionals as well like I remember when we'd go to like what when I'd go to um, and I've had other trans friends say it to um, like uh, counselling like, so when you're going through a transition you have to go to the gender clinics in the UK mm-hmm. to basically uh, they just like they're the ones facilitating your transition so they're the ones like uh, counselling you and checking that you actually are trans and psychological assessments and helping you get onto hormones and giving you prescriptions and they're the gatekeepers and uh, if you come and like you're not dressed as a woman, they're not gonna say you, they'll, they'll say you're not trans, which is the craziest thing. Like, like, or even if you, I remember once I came in like jeans and they were girl jeans, but they were like, "Is this a uh, girl's clothes?" And I'm like, "Are you serious? Like, women wear jeans. Like, what? Like, do you want me to come in a wedding dress? Like, what did <laughs> no? But they probably would want that. Like, yeah. they, you have to like express so much femininity to be taken seriously. There, it's mad. It's mad. Like, that can be so traumatic for some people it's just stupid as well yeah so you're not the person that people think you're not the gender that people assume you are but then you have to dress up as something you might not be either yeah but also dressing up in a a way that you're probably not comfortable with in early transition so when you transition at the start of your transition no one looks that good we look horrible because we're obviously just learning how to do makeup learning how to do hair like don't have a a wardrobe of like nice clothes so you're looking a bit of a mess so you don't really want to be going out in really elaborate female like mini skirts and looking like a like a I don't want to say a bad word but you can kind of imagine what I'm trying to say and it's just like you don't want to look you don't want to be drawing that sort of attention to yourself so, so you're going to get so much abuse like, yeah, I was about street. to say it's almost quite dangerous as it well is, yeah. to I remember, ask like, someone I would, to yeah I would walk to my gender clinic appointments because I was too scared to get on the bus or the train in, yeah. in that kind of feminine gear at that point because like I was dressing androgynously don't get me wrong but I wasn't wearing like dresses because I just didn't feel comfortable in my body to wear a dress then like, I had no like you literally have a male body at that point you haven't had lasers so you've got a beard you've got a receded hairline maybe you've got like no hips or boobs like why am I going to wear a dress and look like a fucking idiot in a dress and get so much stick just to make you uh give me hormones but I had to do that like that's what a lot of us had to do is dress um and like perform femininity to be taken seriously as women like it's kind of dumb it's really dumb yeah it's dark isn't it and it sounds a bit like from the uh from the cis women thing you said like some kind of slut shaming almost like a yeah yeah like a judging on that i mean it's so yeah (sighs) yeah that's shit it's okay it's, there's much worse things got bigger bigger fish to fry than worrying about some stuck up women thinking that I look too feminine do you know what I mean it's stupid Absolutely. and I, like I said I don't even dress that like how can you slut shame not a slut and that's I'm actually not saying I'm not a slut but I mean like yeah kind of I'm a slut sometimes not, <laughs> not at the moment not for a while actually but yeah uh, it's like how can you like I literally like I said I'm quite boring am I because I've never wanted to be a Barbie like a, there's like girls and trans girls who they want to be like a Barbie doll they want to be like the perfect girl like and I'm like no I've always literally my goal with transition was to be just the girl next door the girl who can like go to this is a really random thing but I remember thinking it when I was there like I just want to go to like B&Q do you know what B&Q is like the home store like where it's like you have the wood and the paint and stuff I was there one day with my dad and I was like looking really bad it was my early transition and I looked like really really bad in my transition and I was just like I just can't wait to the day I can come in here and not get stared at by all the staff and people all the blokey men in there for looking like a, a tranny I, the tra- word tranny is bad by the way only trans people can say that but I didn't want to I was like I can't wait to the day I can just walk in here and literally just blend in and just be a girl next door wear my jeans and a t-shirt that's all I want to wear like and now I'm that girl so I'm really proud of myself that's so cool yay I can go to being cute <laughs> the dream the dream find all the, the builders I love builders builders are like my dream my you're dream. like what builders builders 
Or just the builders. I thought you had like a word yeah. after builders. No, oh, no it's just builders. I was going to say builder daddies. <laughs> I love, I love like a like a, a builder guy. Oh. So do you go in and like drop a paintbrush and just go? Oh, no, no, because the feminists would say I'm being a sex toy for men. Stop encouraging yeah, me, Sophie. Yeah, we've no. all dropped a paintbrush every now I and then. I actually haven't. Maybe I should try that. Maybe that's why I'm single. Maybe I should try dropping a paintbrush. I think I'm always. I'm kind of inclined to it but then once they actually do it I'm like well fuck you <laughs> I don't need you I don't need no man yeah literally please <laughs> uh, so you, you talk a bit about dating on your well maybe I've just seen you talk about it on your yeah, in your stories dating. and I'm stuff I'm quite open about it and then I think also this seem like a bit of work as well like it's it's not like you can just relax and chill when that comes down to it because you get a lot of oh that's true actually being yeah, a bit I didn't like, think of what you're saying yeah it's so true you like and I don't do it because I'm just like if I if I'm just here to to date, baby. I'm not here to educate you. Like unless you're paying me, like PayPal me some money, and I'll give you. Because boys will literally ask so many questions, and I, I get it. Like don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I don't want to answer questions about trans stuff because obviously, especially if I'm mm. uh, on these apps dating straight guys, they'll have questions, and I'm fine with like questions, but I'm not going to answer like psychological assessment questions about like. So tell me when you knew you were trying, like, tell me about your child. I'll talk about that on a date, but I don't really yeah. feel like typing out. And even on a yeah. date, I don't really want to talk about it, but I will. But you could Google it as well. Like, like, it's all on Google. It's a date thing, isn't it? I mean, well, you yeah, you don't, especially when you're not going to meet 90% of the people you're talking to in the early stages on yeah. the app. Like, I'll be talking to loads of guys and I'm like, I don't have that emotional energy to be giving you essays yeah. on, like... Well, you wouldn't be like, to that, them, you wouldn't be like, so have you ever hugged your dad? Do you ever feel, yeah, you know... Yeah. Do you feel, do you have any issue? Like, you wouldn't talk about it. I get it, they're not trying to be me. A lot of them are actually trying to be nice by doing it. They probably think that's what I want, is to, like, talk about trans issues, because my profile will say I'm a trans activist, but I'm like, I really don't want to have to... Like I said, obviously, I'm not a girl who's like... Don't ask me about, like... Because I say I'm trans on my profile, like, they know I'm trans, it's linked to my Instagram, so my Instagram says I'm trans. But, like, so it's not that I don't want to talk about trans stuff, but I just don't want to have to, like... Like I said, with that question about what would you want to be asked, I'm so much more than a trans person. I'm trans yeah. and so I'm trans and I'm a Pisces and a vegetarian and Irish. Like there's so much more to me than just being trans. And like, it's just what like, I don't really want to have to talk about it all the time. Like, Give me more Pisces, I- Irish, Irish. Yeah. But London born and vegetarian, vegetarian, London. Uh, London. Um, I'm I'm pansexual I think like oh, yeah. I haven't expressed like my pansexuality yet but um, I definitely think if I did have surgery I could I couldn't do it now because I'm too dysphoric to be of a girl I think I would feel really masculine next to her um, and she would have to be really masculine but um, I'm, I've kind of just realised I'm much more attracted to masculinity than men like, there's a massive difference mm. between masculine and a man because a woman can be masculine and like I, yeah, I, I could definitely so I'm pansexual, what other things? I'm a Catholic, I'm actually quite religious. Yeah? Like, I believe, uh, yeah, I'm quite religious. How's um, your relationship with God been through? Has it been God's stable been all yeah. the way Yeah, yeah. I've been, I actually used to get bullied in school for being religious because I was like, very, I would go to church, you know, like most kids get dragged to church by their yeah. mom and dad. I would like go on my own. Like I was that loser child. Like, But I just, I've always been very like, in tune with my religion with my spirituality and I would probably say spirituality more than religion because I don't really believe in everything to do with my religion so I believe in the core principles I believe in like as in like God and heaven and uh, Jesus and Mary and all that stuff but I don't believe in like the Pope and I don't believe in man like yeah, man made religion I don't believe, yeah. yeah I don't believe in the institution of religion I don't believe it and, and that's to do with all religions I don't because that's where the wars come from and the hate comes from like don't, I don't believe in like a man who is not God preaching to me yeah. like I don't but like about what's right and wrong like I don't like, especially with like the anti-LGBT stuff I'm like I don't care what a man thinks now so why am I going to care what a man thought and wrote down ten hundred billion years ago in the bible yeah. like god didn't say that a man wrote that like why do i care what he thinks like it just mm-hmm. makes yeah so i don't believe in that but i'm i believe in i'm very spiritual and i'm very connected and i pray every day and i go to church i cry i went to actually church literally down the road here there's a really nice church here oh yeah um, on soho square and i went in the other day and i like <gasps> cried and i just felt it was such a, an experience for me because like so i kind of don't feel welcome in church anymore when i started becoming very visibly lgbt even before transition when i started expressing like um so pre-transition i kind of i didn't ever identify actually and i never said i was gay but i had the word 
like gay chucked on me because I was feminine. So really I was just a trans girl, but people were telling me you're gay from the time I was seven. So I assumed I was gay, but it just never was for me. And I knew I wasn't gay. But anyway, even when I was expressing like that and people thought that's what I was, um, I just started to feel unwelcome in church because obviously the Catholic religion is quite anti-LGBT stuff. Not even quite very anti-LGBT. So I was like, I don't feel welcome here. So I stopped going, even though, like I said, I was very like religious and would go on my own to church and I'd carry like my holy, my rosary around me every day in my pocket. And, like, I was very religious and I felt really sad that I didn't feel welcome anymore. And then I went into a church for the first time the other day after, after a long while, apart from funerals and stuff. And like, I just got so emotional and like cried on my knees and I was just like, I want to start going to church again. Like, yeah. I really want to start going to church again. There must be LGBTQ. Well, I think that one there is. Oh it's yeah. In Soho, so I assume it's probably yeah, quite there must LGBT be spaces. friendly. I really want to. I know there are Muslim spaces. Yeah, yeah. I really just really want to connect. I just felt so like, much more meaning in my life when I went. I was, it's weird because, like I said, I'm really struggling with not feeling like I have any meaning at the moment because of losing Khadija. So I feel like I really want to get back to my religion and have something inside of me that's more than just this human experience. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel that you're... If you had to ex uh, describe the place you're at in your mind, in your life... Because you said you just started counseling and you just had yeah. the experience with the church. Do you feel like it's on the... Do you see like, a, like yeah. it's going to be fine? Do you have the feeling that it's going to be okay? Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think it's going to be okay. I'm just scared it's not going to be anything more than okay. And I don't want okay. I want good. I, I don't want to have an okay life. I want to have a nice life. I want to have a really good life. I just feel like... I feel like... Yeah. Because I, I don't know. Just when you lose your best friend and like no one else compares... It must be like losing like a lover, like your partner who, like you're so like, like that kind of thing. Mm. Like where it's like no one can ever replace this person. Like a friend is mm. sad, but like anyone, you can get new friends. Mm. But like I had such a deep connection with Khadija that I just, I know I'll never have that again in my mm. life, which is that like, a really heartbreaking thing. Cause it's like, well, what's the point in life if you don't have someone to share it with that's like a best friend? So I don't feel like it's gonna, I'm worried it's not gonna get better. I think it, hopefully it's gonna be okay though. Like. Um, I feel better in my, I was in a really really dark place around Christmas time and New Year time and um, I'm better than I was then so I hope I I've, I just started counselling I started medication and I hope I'm gonna yeah I just hope I hope it gets a bit better I'm so sure it will be I'm so sure I really pray for me hopefully I get a new friend or I would love a, like, a really nice boy that I can be like my best friend and my boyfriend and my husband I would love that I need some I need some meaning in my life I should get a dog oh, <laughs> I might get a dog oh god oh, do you have yes. a dog? huh? do you have one? Do no have I just I was just remembering all the dogs I've seen in my life when you said dog I was like oh <laughs> all of dogs. the dogs you've seen like, I love that a you're like I can't remember anything since I was 10 <laughs> and it's because you have so many dogs in your mate in your I brain I remember you're the like, dogs you remember every dog <laughs> I love that get a big one Ooh. big dog what a big dog, right? <laughs> I think uh, probably the opposite because I, I really? think because I could take it to work with me oh, if yeah, I had, into true. my nail salon if I have a I feel dog. Like it's not really a dog if, if it's smaller true, than like yeah. a... Actually, I had a dream last night that I was I had a pet um, it was like a mouse but it was acting like a dog and it was my bit. I was going to kill it because I don't want a mouse <laughs> in my house <laughs> okay. and then it, I became friends with it. How real? I don't know why I'm telling you this. That's so yeah. cute. It was real. I feel really sad that it's not real. Is that because you're writing the children or the editing maybe, the children's book? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're in like children's book maybe so what's what's the the new one working on so the new one is basically like my first book so it's a collection of letters it's basically so my first book is called to my trans sisters yeah. and the next book is called to my little trans sisters oh. and it's going to be actually it's going to be to my little trans brothers and sisters because so, i want it to be for everyone this yeah. time and um uh, it's going to be the same kind of format of like letters with biographies about each woman next to their letter but it'll be more tailored to the, the young audience so it'll be a smaller book like little um it will also be the letters will be littler um and more like littler appropriate kind of content so it will be uh, won't because my first book obviously they go into deep themes and stuff it'll be more about just like giving kids inspiration to like be proud of who they are and like that these amazing people are who they are and they're like them and um, and I have illustrations and it'll just be like more and younger kind of people that younger audience would relate to better so like YouTubers and musicians and sports people and celebrities rather than like it's actually quite appropriate for the last question that I always ask on the podcast, which is this. <clears throat> so, you're in the delivery room, 
And you the have delivery room. Oh, the delivery room. And you've just been born. Okay. Oh. But also you now are there. Oh my and god. You're I'm holding crying. yourself. Oh, I'm going to cry. As a tiny there's a tiny baby. Oh no. And she's terrified, right? She was just in the womb and it was so nice. It was so dark and warm and everything was fine. And now it's all light and bright and there's noises everywhere and she's just like is this is he looking at you like what the fuck have you, what is this what's our life going to be like right is this it is it all going to be light and you know it's going to be a lot of lights and sounds but it won't be lights and sounds it'll be other things some of them being truly horrific so you can say something to little baby you you can't change anything so you can't give any kind of advice you can't tell her to do anything differently you can't tell her to do anything basically because things are going to happen exactly the way they've happened up until now but she's looking at you going What's it going to be like? What is this? So you can say something to her. Anything at all. What would you say to teeny tiny baby you? I would say... Live your life. Like, live it. Like, live it. Live your best life. Live it up. Live it. Live every moment. I wish I, wish I could even just go back to my like, teenage self and say that. Or my child self. And even to myself today. Like, I just... Yeah, I would say to like live for every moment, like savor every moment, even the bad stuff. Like just live, like live like you've never lived before, like that sort of thing. Just live in the moment and for the moment. And you still need to be told that every once in a while. Yeah, I need it every day, <laughs> every day, every hour. To be honest, I just I'm very yeah. I'm I I think do you know what it is? It's because of what I went through in my teen years in school and stuff. I. I wanted to just finish school, so I was always looking forward, as in, like, I have five years, knowing I have five years, actually it was seven in the end, but, like, so I knowing I have to, I'm here for seven years, I was always looking forward, and then, like, I was always rushing my life away, and now I can't stop, because I've been doing that, for, doing that for seven years, is a, that's a decade of your life, to be conditioning yourself to think a certain way, of, like, rushing your life forward, and thinking towards the next thing, and not being present, and now I have a real struggle with being present, because I'm always... I'm just not present and I really want to be present and that's what I would tell my younger self is to like try and live in the moment I really want to try that I'm going to try and I'm going to try and do that today I'm going to like leave here and try and live in the moment a bit good thank you so much for doing this thank you baby where can people find you you can find me on Bumble Tinder but I'm joking <laughs> you can find me on uh, Charlie underscore Crags that's C-H-A-R-L-I-E underscore C-R-A-G-G-S um, yeah, and you can buy my book if you want to buy my book in all good bookstores and online at Amazon. What's it called again? To My Trans Sisters Wonderful. by Charlie Craggs. <laughs> Wonderful, thank you so much. Thank for you doing so this. much, baby. <laughs> that was Charlie. Remember to be the best listeners that you always are and go and find her on social media and tell her how appreciative you are of her being a guest on the podcast. I am I sounding weird I'm probably sounding a bit weird I'm um I keep stuttering and uh, <clears throat> it's the first time I speak out loud <laughs> today for two days no just for today I've been on tour for the whole month more or less and the book came out my book happy fat and it's just all been overwhelming so now I have a, I've had a day on my own at home but because I had one beer three beers yesterday I woke up with such a headache like such a headache I'm old now I'm so old I the first time I got drunk I was 16 and I drank a bottle of vodka with no mixer just a bottle of vodka and I couldn't taste it and the next day I felt fine now I have three beers and I'm dead for a day I mean, I, I, I'm, it's, a it's a disgrace and I'm bringing shame upon my family for being such a weak drinker. And all my friends are borderline alcoholics and it's embarrassing for me to not be able to be on their level. I'm just saying that. And my OCD is absolutely, <laughs> it's on a rampage. Like, God, I had to get some stranger from... Facebook marketplace to come and take my chest of drawers out of my house because I was convinced that if it was going to be in my house for much longer, I would just die and <laughs> that would be a shame. So it's all just a bit of a mess. Um, 
But I mean, I'm happy. Things are good. It's just, uh, you know what it's like. So anyways, I am, I'm going to quickly, not quickly, but I'm going to now go through the Patreon stuff because I um, I want to record another intro for the next episode so I can get them all sent to the amazing Dave who's doing all the editing for me. Uh, if he wasn't around, this podcast just wouldn't exist. <laughs> so I'm going to send it off uh, to him as soon as I can. So I, um, and also I'm mumbling and I'm stuttering and I'm blah, too much for you to need to sit through this. So uh, I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who supports the podcast. It genuinely means more than you can possibly imagine. And you're all such lovely people. And on this tour, I've gotten to meet so many of you. And you're all just so lovely, <laughs> genuinely so lovely. It is such a special thing. And I'm so, so grateful. And uh, I want to say thank you to the people who give one-off donations, which you could do uh, via madeofhumanpodcast.com. So appreciated. And I, I don't mention you enough, but I should... Because it means the world to me. And uh, of course, the people who uh, support me on Patreon, which you can do if you just sign up for, if you blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's the classic. <sighs> Listen, <laughs> I will also get better at this, I promise. I'll get better at these <laughs> talky things. But you can sign up for the Patreon by going on to patreon.com forward slash Mopod, M O H P O D. And um, yeah, if you give. $5 or more per episode, you can become a friend of the podcast. And if you do that, then I will uh, read out your name at the end of every episode like I am about to do. Now, I would like to say a massive thank you to Andrea Papillon, Andrew January. Are you new, Andrew? I think you're new. Welcome, Andrew January. Uh, Andy Walker, Ashley Salmon, still a bit new, Autumn Blue Sky, Barry Norton. I met uh, Barry Norton in... Well, I didn't meet Barry Norton in Copenhagen. Barry Norton came to see a show in Copenhagen. Um, Caitlin, Cat Posse, the wonderful Cat Posse, Cherry Winter. Cherry Winter I met in... Oh, I don't remember the venue, but on tour I met Cherry Winter. I can see the... Oh, wait, I know. Um, Birmingham. I think it was Birmingham. So thank you, Cherry. Cherry, no, Cherry. It was nice to meet you. Claire McCowell and uh, Connor O'Donovan, Danny Beckett, Daniel Reifersheet, Daphne Fanger, Eleanor, Emma Chan, Vanilla Dunn, Privacy, Osiris, Aurora, Teratops, Fiona Richardson, Hannah Rose Tristram, Harold Van Dyke, Harry Minot, Heather Watson, Ida Sogolazen, Janie Mahoney, Joe C., Kathleen Gulmanson, Oh, did I meet you as well, Kathleen? Or did you just message me? There was something about the surname. Something, was it Icelandic? Oh, God. I We've had... I know you, Kathleen. <laughs> Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Ingelsen, Katie Travis, Kim Williams, Kirsten Davidson, Queen C. And then there's Lily and Harry French. Uh, Lily and Harry French I met. I think that was Birmingham as well. And I, uh, I think I signed the copy of Happy Fat, and they said Lillian Harry, and I went oh, French. And they're like, yes, and I was like, oh my god, it's Lillian Harry French. I met them. Uh, then we have a new one, which username is M. Then we have Mari Fraser, Mansomir, Maketa Dubal Dubalova, Maketa Dubalova. You're new. Welcome, Maketa. Uh, Megan Roberts, Paul Swaddle, Perpetua. T-Motion, Pierre Fene, Rachel Evenheim, uh, Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips, the three Rachels. Ooh, was there another fourth Rachel? Oh, have we lost a Rachel? This is exciting. Um, then we have Ragdoll, Robert Knowles, Robin Kappa, Sarah Ferrer, Eikersid, Sarah Ellett, Sarah Plumer. That means now the Sarahs and the Rachels are on, in the same. Ooh, ooh, it's exciting. Then we have Susie Tyler and Victoria Layton. And I want to say a big thank you to all of you for being uh, just brilliant supporters of the podcast. And um, yeah, we'll get back on track very soon. At least the conversations are still great. It's just all the, the wobbling and the timing and stuff that's a bit brah. But uh, if you do support um, over Patreon, uh, don't worry. There's, there might be some episodes coming out, like three in a week, but there'll never be more than 52 in a year. <laughs> so I believe, I think that here in... June, there might be five episodes out in total, but there were five weeks in May, 
but I, you were only charged for four weeks. So you'll be charged for five weeks in June instead of four weeks in June, but not more than that. Don't worry about that. Okay, I got you. I got you. Now, uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Dave Pickering for producing this episode, to Kitty Edgar for doing the admin, to Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo. Thank you to Soho Thesa for letting me record some episodes there. And uh, thank you to Charlie for being an amazing guest. And I will speak to you at some point very soon. <laughs> Bye. Oh, pa.